Romans 7, 13. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. The passage before us is one that has a considerable amount of um, variances in interpretation. There are those that, that would say, in reference to the question, who is writing this as far as the Apostle Paul? We know it's the Apostle Paul, but at what point in his life is he referring to? You see earlier in the chapter where, where he's talking about being, being under the law and, 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 and then being released from the law, and, and you see it coming from a perspective as, as far as this is what I was, but this is what I have become. And so the question that comes forward in verses, really verses 14 through 25 is, who, who is Paul referring to here? Is, is he speaking as if this is Paul before he was a Christian? Is this before he was saved? There are huge numbers of people who would say Paul is, is speaking from a perspective of, of before he saved. And part of the reason why is they would look at this and, and say, can the Christian, can the Christian say, I'm carnal, I'm sold under sin? Can the Christian say things like, in my flesh nothing good dwells? For the regenerated person, the person who has been saved by the blood of Christ, has the Holy Spirit within them, can they say things like that? And, and there's those that would say, no, I don't think that, that they can. There's 
those who I respect very highly that would hold a view that, that Paul would, would be referring to himself before he was a Christian. There's others that would say, no, I, I think that it's talking about a carnal Christian. Someone who is a Christian but is, is definitely falling into a lifestyle of, of sin and, and is in a place where, where they're, they're backslidden. And I have a, a whole lot of thoughts of why I, I don't think that's the case. There's also those who would say, I think it's, he's talking from a perspective of being enlightened. He's, he is still an unbeliever, but the Holy Spirit has enlightened him to see his sin. And he's just on the brink of, of becoming a Christian and following Christ. And coming out of this place of, of I'm carnal, sold under sin. And then there's those that would hold a view that this is Paul, a mature Christian. Somebody who, who's walked with Christ for a considerable amount of time, who understands God's word, and is, is in a place of, of seen from the law his sin and the depths of his sin. And so as a result, he's, he, he comes to this place of just this inner struggle of what am I doing? I don't know. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate are the very things that I do. Coming to the place of, oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me? from this body of death. Wretched man that I am. I would be one who finds far more evidence that this is referring to a mature Christian. I know not everybody in our sanctuary may agree with me on that, but um, we'll spend the next couple of weeks looking at different aspects of this particular text. And there's a lot that's here, obviously, in these in these verses, there's a lot that's here that is impossible for us to cover well in, in its entirety, but we, we need to look at it as a whole. The, the thought is a whole thought in this section, and so I want to look at it as a whole. This morning, I want to I focus on one specific aspect of this text, and that is where Paul comes to a place of saying, O wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Is that something that we ought to think about? Is that something that we ought to to say? And I think it is. One of the professors that had the greatest impact on me um, in my studies was a professor by the name of Dr. Ronald Wright. And... He's from South Africa, and he's since gone home to be with the Lord. But I studied under him. I took every class that he offered, and I just I, I grew to love this man. We would go get lunch together and spend quite a bit of time talking. And I remember him 
in class on a couple of occasions with this crooked little finger, and he would point to us. And, and picturing him just with tears flowing from his eyes, his eyes would just well up with tears, and he'd say, you know, my wife says to me sometimes, Ron, Ronnie, why, why do you view yourself the way that you do? What, what have you done? Like I'm your wife. What, what have you done in your life that is so bad that it makes you weep? the way that you weep when you think about your sin. What have you done? You can tell me. I mean, I won't tell anybody. You can tell me. And he says, I just, I say to her, it's nothing extraordinary. It's just the daily sin that I deal with. There was, there, there was such a reality of, of his sin that, that he would look at it and, and it, would, it would make him just weep over it. There's a Scottish commentator, Robert Haldane, who observed that men perceive themselves to be sinners in direct proportion as they have previously discovered the holiness of God and his law. As you, as you study God's word and you look at what he says that it is to please him, as you, as you think of the holiness of God, not, not taking him down to a level of simply he's my, my friend or he's my buddy or he's the old man upstairs, or he's something that falls short of a holy God in whom he says, take off your shoes as you are standing on holy ground. A, a, a God in, in whom is perfect light and there is no darkness in him at all. A God who is so holy and perfect that in order for us to, to be able to approach him, in order for us to spend eternity with him, the only way that would ever be possible would be for the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, the, the, the wrath that you and I deserved. I mean, the, the fierce, fierce wrath of God to come upon Christ on the cross, God's only son. I mean, you, you think of if, if there was... Any chance that God could wink at sin and pretend like it wasn't there or say things like, well, boys will be boys or to say things like, well, everybody sins. If, 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 if sin was not a big deal, then the creator of this universe would not have become man and gone to the cross and been spit upon and been beaten and had a crown of thorns placed upon his head, been whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails, pierced with stakes, mocked, and having all of our sin come upon himself as he hung on the cross. 
The creator of this universe would never have done something like that if sin was not that big of a deal and if his holiness was not that important. But his holiness is such that there is is no possibility of anybody ever, ever approaching him, ever seeing him in his glory, ever entering into eternity in heaven apart from us being washed by the precious blood of Christ. And so, men perceive themselves to be sinners in direct proportion as they have previously discovered the holiness of God. And so when we see God is holy, the depth of our sin brings us to a place like where Ronald Wright was, where there would just be tears over not Sin that we would see as extraordinary, but the fact that we are sinners. We we have been pushed so heavily with a doctrine that is made and spoken of as if it's just simply truth. And that is that our biggest problem is that people have low self-esteem. And this psychobabble society in which we live in would say, I think that that person's problem is they just have a little bit too low of a self-esteem. And, and I don't think that God would look at Paul in Romans chapter 7 and say, buddy, don't be so hard on yourself. It's not that bad. But God wants us to see our sin. He wants us to see it so that, like the the song that we just sang, chorus going, "All, all our sin for your grace, what a glorious exchange. All our sin, all of our sin for your grace, what a glorious exchange. And that God's people wouldn't be able to sing a song like that and, and, and have it not be that big of a deal. But rather that we would, we would sit there and sing a song like, every bit of my sin for your grace. Your grace is just gets, it gets poured upon me. That is the most glorious exchange. It's, it's all free. It's not from me. It's not that I earned it. It's not that I... I found pleasure in God's eyes because I had something to offer him. It was all of grace. It's all because of the cross. It's all because of Christ and him crucified. It's all because the Holy Spirit has regenerated me. It's, it's him. He gets, he gets all of the glory for it all. It's not, it's not me at all. I'm, I'm nothing. We, we want to think of ourselves and think much of ourselves, but I don't see that anywhere as being the model in Scripture. I think of Philip Doddridge, who lived in the 18th century, minister, and as he was dying, he said, the best prayer I ever offered up in my life deserves damnation. The the best prayer... The, be- the best prayer that I ever offered up 
deserves damnation. And, and the, the thought may go into some people's minds like, ah, it's too hard on yourself. Probably not that bad. But his point was, was my best prayer isn't always pure. My best prayer lacks a little bit of trust in him. My best prayer still falls short of what it is to speak to a holy God. It still just falls short. We see in, in Scripture, man after man that has a view of himself of a wretched a wretched man that I am. Job says in Job 42, verse 6, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. I just abhor myself. Here's someone who God referred to as Job, a righteous man. He shuns evil. He's a righteous man. Have you considered my servant Job? In Job comes a place of I just, I abhor myself. Daniel, you think of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel, this man of faith. He tells us in Daniel 9, he prayed. And he says, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. We've rebelled. Even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people in the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, those near and far off and all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you, O Lord, to us belongs shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers because we've sinned against you. Daniel, just Lord, cover me. It's just iniquity. Just what we should be thinking, what belongs to us is just shame, shame of face. If you picture Isaiah, and there in Isaiah 6, where the train of his robe is filling the temple with glory. Here's Isaiah, and, and as, as God's there before him, his response is, Woe is me, for I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe, woe is me. I'm, I'm coming apart at the seams. I'm just coming apart. 
here's Isaiah who was considered righteous by the people, and he just said, I'm just I'm falling apart at the seams. Think of David, where David, he, he knew he was a sinner. Here's David, a man after God's own heart. And he says things like, like in Psalm 32, blessed whose transgression but blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. But blessed is the person who, who God just covers our sin. He says, when I kept silent, my, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. When I was just there in my sin, my, my bones grew old by the groaning that took place all, all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. All, all day, all night. That's what it was like. And then I acknowledged my sin to you. And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You're my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the songs of deliverance. You're my hiding place. Because you forgive my sin, you, you make it so that there's these songs of deliverance that come forward out of my mouth. Just songs of, of praise. Songs like amazing grace, how sweet the sound that, that saves a wretch like me. Songs of deliverance, where we look at it and it's just, it's praise him. I, I, I praise him. He, he's taken me who was just covered in my sin and he, he took all of my sin away. A oh, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me? The response that Paul gives is, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It always goes back to the cross. Who's going to deliver me? It's Christ. I, David says in Psalm 38, For your arrows pierce me deeply. Your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a, a heavy burden. They're, they're too heavy for me. My sin, when I think about my sin, it just it, it engulfs me. It goes over my head. It's, it's way too heavy for me. You don't, you don't get the idea from him that he doesn't think that he's that bad. He's not there trying to just simply compare himself to other people and say, well, they're worse than I am. I'm okay. They're worse than I am. I'm not, I'm not that bad. I think that the mature Christian will say things like, what am I doing 
what, what am I doing? I don't understand. He says things like, the things that, that I want to do, I don't do. I'm being engulfed. It's, it's all around me. There's this battle, this, this, this inner struggle with sin. I know the law is spiritual. I know that it's good. I know God's law is good. It tells me what it is to please him, but I'm carnal. I'm sold under sin. I just sin. I sin. I know what's right, and I sin. Tim Hawney, who I served with for a long time, he's a pastor in Romania now. I remember him just saying, I, I hate the thoughts that go in my head. I hate it. I shock myself, myself sometimes. I shock myself at the kind of thoughts that go in my head. Thoughts that I thought, I should be over this by now. This shouldn't happen to me anymore. Talking with, with Pastor Bill, I heard him say one time, you know, someone approached me and said, you know, you're in your 90s. At what point do you stop struggling with lust? Pastor Bill's response to this young man was, I don't know, but when it happens, I'll tell you. I'll let you know. Sorry if that's not encouraging to you at all. But the sin, it's just, it's, it's there. It's, it's possible for us to to hear sermons like this or to go to God's law and look at what it is that pleases him. It's, it's possible for us to, to think like Tim Haney did as far as, how do these thoughts still go in my head? I don't want them, but they still keep coming. Why is it that it keeps happening like this? And to, and to have our mind quickly go someplace else. Rather than, than saying things like, like the psalmist, your arrows pierce me deeply, your hand presses upon me. There's no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're, they're too heavy for me. It's possible, to, rather than ever say something like that, to say, let's watch the ball game. Let's watch the sitcom. I want to laugh for a little while. Let's, let's go get a nice dinner. Let's go on vacation. I need a vacation. Let's go on vacation. Not that any of those things are bad. We all, we all do those things. But it's possible to never, ever come to a place of looking at God's law like a mirror and having it, having it be that which brings us to a place like, like Paul where there is this inner struggle. Where we look at it and say, what am I doing? I don't understand. What I will to do that I, I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If, if then 
I do what I will not to do. I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin dwells in me. It's just in me, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there's nothing good that dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I don't find. The good that I will to do, I don't do, but the evil I will not to do, that is what I practice. If I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin dwells in me. Find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good is just, I will to do good, but it, there's evil that's just there. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, oh wretched man that I am. There's this battle that's going on. Why do I do that? Why do I keep doing that? I keep falling to the same sin over and over again. I hate that the thought went into my head. I, I hate that my prayer had such little faith in it. I hate that my view of God was so small in this. I hate that I start treasuring stuff in this world more than I treasure Christ. I hate that, that my worship is so weak. I, I, I hate that, that I, I don't desire to be in fellowship with the body. I, I hate that I take the gifts that God's given me and I bury them. I hate that I'm consumed with self. I hate all of these things. I, I wish that I could change. I wish I, I want to change. Why do I do these things? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me? I hate my position. I hate my sin. I hate all these things that even though I'm saved, they keep coming up and I go back to the same things. I hate all all of these things, who can save me? And Paul's response is, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He wants us to come to that place. He wants us to come to a place of the only way out of this is through Christ my Lord. It's the only way. And I think it's a good thing for us from now to the day that we die to have this inner struggle with sin. Never being satisfied with where we're at, but fight sin and hate sin and and take on the full armor of God that we might do everything that we can to stand through his enabling and be in fellowship with one another and to encourage one another and to spend time in his word and search his word and study his word and meditate on his word and come to him in prayer saying, apart from you, I can do nothing. And, and be in a place where we're fasting and we're praying and we're seeking him with our whole heart, but knowing that the only way that we could ever have any kind of success in this life, in this and is, is through his work in us. And so Paul, Paul comes to a place of, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And it's, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. It would be possible for us to, to read a passage like this and say, this is a little bit of a downer. It's a little, you've, you've been very discouraging to me today. <laughs> well, Paul is in this place. You're saying he's a mature Christian and he's still thinking this way. This is very discouraging to me today. It would be if it wasn't for that section of, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It would be very discouraging if it wasn't for the fact that you and I can sit here this morning and say, oh, wretched a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Christ. The very next chapter begins with, 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's like, that is amazing. You, you go from the place of, oh, wretched man that I am, who could save me, to where if you were sitting here this morning saying, you are not nice and it's very condemning and I don't feel good about myself, I'd encourage you to look and say, view your sin like, like, like one who would say, what was me? I'm undone. I'm undone. I'm, I'm coming apart at the seams. Why am I like this? It, it, it engulfs me. It's over my head. Who can save me? And that you would come to a place if Christ can. Christ took every sin, past, present, every sin that you will ever commit in the future. And he took all of it upon himself so that, brothers and sisters, there is therefore now, there, there is therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. The Holy Spirit inspired this. He wrote this for us so that we could look at it and hate our sin and recognize that there's a battle with our flesh and put all of our hope in Christ so that we would see Christ and say the result of, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord is therefore there is now no condemnation. There's none. There's there's, there's none. Never, ever will you go before God and have him say, okay, you're going to pay the price now for what you've done. Never will that ever happen if your faith is in Christ because he took it all upon himself. Paul's only hope is in Christ. His only hope is in Christ. He sees himself. He sees his sin. He sees the battle. He hates the sin. But all of his hope is in Christ. Paul viewed himself with phrases like, I'm, the, I'm less than the least of all the saints. Or, Christ Jesus came into the world of safe sinners of whom I am chief I'm the chief of sinners or I'm the least of the apostles I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God and the next verse says but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace towards me was not in vain You can look at your life and say, I'm engulfed, I'm buried with sin. Even my best prayer. My best prayer deserved damnation. And yet the Holy Spirit has entered into me. He's taken my sin away. He replaces it with fruit of the Spirit. There's good that is able to come out of our lives, not out of our flesh, but out of our lives because it's Christ in us, our hope of glory. 
It's Christ in us, working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God who is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. And it's him that is molding us and shaping us and conforming us into his image. It's him that does it all. All of our hope is in him to where we who would call ourselves the chief of all sinners could come to the place of saying, but his grace came towards me. And by the grace of God, I am what I am today. By the grace of God, I am in a place now where I am righteous. And it's not my own righteousness. It was one that was imputed to me. It was given to me. It is a foreign righteousness. It is the very righteousness of Christ. Even the righteousness of Christ. It's his righteousness. And so, in conclusion... Is it a good thing for us to say, oh, wretched man that I am? I believe yes. So long as you recognize who it is that will deliver you from that, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our only hope in this life is Christ and him crucified. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace. Oh, Lord, you're so good to us. I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to have such an awareness of our sin, a struggle that's there with our sin, that we would hate it. We'd hate our sin, that we would desire to flee from it, to run from it, to do everything that we can to fight against it through the power of your Holy Spirit, through placing the full armor of God on us, that, that this passage would not make it so that we feel okay to sin, but that we would hate our sin even all the more. And that all of our hope would be in you. To free us from the bondage of sin, to free us from the daily sins that we struggle with. And that fruit would come out of our lives all because of you. Lord, I, I pray that we would, we would be like the psalmist who, who recognizes our our sin, and then shouts for joy in that we have been forgiven. And, and may that take place right now as your, your people who were covered with sin sing praises to the one has hurled it all into the depths of the sea. Oh Lord, please help that to produce godly affections towards you. We pray this in Jesus' name.